there is a new heavyweight champion of the world, which means it's time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting way easier from outside the cage, especially if you are Cain Velasquez today. With me, of course, Raph Esparza. Raph, how are you doing? Um, Pretty good, all things considered. Mostly that I'm not in a high elevation uh, place where I am having a fight and out of breath. So, ditto. There's that. Can I just say, mm. ditto. <laughs> okay. There's a lot going on here. Fabricio Verdum does the unthinkable, and it's important to note I did not see the fights. He mm-hmm. outpaces Cain Velasquez, beats him via guillotine. What the fuck is going on? So what exactly was your reaction when you heard about the news? Happy. Just happy. Like, I had done it, jujitsu-wise. Just like, like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Of course. I mean, uh, uh, of course he submitted him via guillotine. Like, what? It's Fabrizio Verdum we're talking about. Shocked as fuck, also. <laughs> because we're talking about a pretty unguillotinable dude up to this point in his career. So, shocked. Do you want me to walk you through what happened? Badly. And I want you to also tell me, what was your reaction? We'll get to my reaction. Okay. Because um, you had was, to be a little shocked, too. Um, Not as shocked as you were. And I'll get to explaining that as why. So, let's talk about this. Let's talk about the fact that Fabricio Verdum walks out. And the thing about him is, and he said this in the post-press conference, he was saying <laughs> that... He's always believed in himself, and you do have to give him some credit. This is a guy who's beaten some pretty good guys, including, I don't know, Fedor, that guy. Uh, Although, if you ask Dana, Fedor never really beat anybody important, so there's that. Let's not get carried away here, Dana. I mean, Dana's been running that. Fedor's face? Uh, I'm sure he has, but... Uh, so they they both walk out. Kane looks like he's feeling it. And then the first round starts and Kane's pressing the action. But Fabricio isn't stupid. He's he's drawing them in a little bit more and he's kind of creating these really cool angles. He's playing a smart game to neutralize a little bit more of Kane. But here's the more impressive part. He's getting the better of Kane on the stand-up. Now, Kane's pushing him against the uh, the cage and kind of trying to impose his normal game. Fabrizio wants none of it, finds his way back to the center of the octagon and starts trying to actually counter and is pretty successful at it. Now, mind you, both of them are absorbing huge shots, but Kane absorbs one shot that puts him on Dream Street in the first round, Kev. And I don't know if it's the combination. Everybody wants to say it's really? the altitude. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to say it's the altitude, and I don't disagree with them because, again, later on it was revealed that Kane was only there for two weeks while Fabricio had been training in this high-altitude uh, area in Mexico City for a month. And I think there's a huge difference between the two, especially when you consider that Kane had fought for over 600 days. So all of those things and more made it from the very first round a very – Nerve-wracking and interesting fight. And how – so from someone that didn't see it, was there a moment where Kane was in the fight or was he completely out of the fight? Because it sounds like you're painting a picture where he just never really was in charge. He was definitely returning. He looked like he was still getting some good punches in that first round. But he looked like a day's bobblehead. This is a Kane Velasquez that we have never seen. And I mean – 
he has he's been knocked out by Junior Dos Santos. I think we all recall that, but that was quick. Here and we we've seen him have wars, so it's it's not something that I think most people expected. Um, you and Travis definitely did not, as par our our last uh, <laughs> over under Kevin. We're both uh, you said eh, that's easy. No, I problem. don't remember that rap. I remember thinking eh, he'll probably lose. That's you know the crazy. important part about this, Kev. No matter what you say, no matter how much you sell it, it's always on tape. Yeah. So fuck, it is it is there. Um, but I, I will say this: in the second round, it looked. You know, more of the same. It looked like Kane was really out of it to the point where I was joking to people and I said, it looked like something got slipped into one of his drinks. Like I was wondering if he had a roof he put in part of his water before he made it out there. <laughs> Guys, what's in the water? What's in it's the- granted it is the Mexico water, so you know. Oh controversial Esparza. <laughs> Here he is. Taking a stance on Mexican water. He said it, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's a very strange thing. Now we get to the third round, and right as we're about to enter there, this is maybe Kev where I know it's gotta be tough to be a coach because all of Kane's team. They tried telling him not to stand directly in front of Fabricio, and yet there he was, just standing directly in front of him. And his team now is advising him. I think they see a fighter that's kind of – he's running low on gas. I think they realize they just got to throw up a Hail Mary. Do you know the advice they give him? What? You got to take him down. No. That's the advice? Mm-hmm. Now, I know you didn't see the fight, but did you see the guillotine? I did see the guillotine. Okay. Now, having that knowledge, does that make more sense? Because. Oh, my God. They does told it... him to walk right into it? Well, <laughs> like, no, that's brutal. It was something that I told to shoot in, and it's like, oh, no. I did tell people, I was like, to be fair, it is a more humane way of ending the fight because it didn't look like he knew where he was anymore. And. I still think that for a guy who is known as a submission specialist playing into Fabricio's game, for Kane's coaches to be giving him that advice, it's like the last-ditch effort. And so you have to look where Kane's absorbing shots, and he's just going into coaching mode where he's like, okay, my coach has told me to shoot in, and I'm guillotined. And it was tragic, and it was terrible, and obviously for one sake it's a great moment for jiu-jitsu all of us were excited it was a great guillotine obviously from a world champion but on the other side it was just uneventful not uneventful it was just disappointing that we didn't see what i think most of us would have liked to have seen which was a full strength cane and it's not an excuse it's just i wish it was a little bit better of a fight yeah, uh, that's sad. so that's having said all that uh, I think obviously a lot of people are saying he'll come back. He was of no excuses when he was doing the post presser. And, and, and Chael Sonnen actually put this up, and some people seem to agree with it. But, uh, you know, both of these guys speak multiple languages, yeah? Yeah. Okay. So the whole night, Joe Rogan kept telling fighters, like, if they could speak Spanish and English, uh, they'd say something and they go, Joe would go, all right, now say that in English, you know. So it just so happens that after Kane says in Spanish, you know, like, hey, or, you know, I think he was saying it in English, actually, one or the other. And then Joe goes, hey, do you mind saying that in Spanish? 
to the audience as well. And then all of a sudden you hear him going, Hey guys. Yeah. I'm sorry. I lost. I make no excuses. I was just, a, you know, I just didn't have it tonight. So Cheryl was like, I would have slapped Joe straight out of that fucking arena. That's how much I was pissed at him for asking him that. So there's that, but I don't think it was too out of turn. I just thought it was more so like you could see how sad Kane was and, to his credit, he didn't make any excuses. I like that Chael Sonnen was like, I would hit Joe Rogan in his goddamn mouth if he did well, that. Too. It's it's not too dissimilar from the type of nonsense that he normally spouts. But uh, that was the fight in essence. And then we got the return of the epic troll face of Fabricio Verdum. And we haven't talked about this because... It's, you know, it's just one of those weird things. But his face... Is abrupt. Is is that on purpose? I don't think so. But what are you going to do, you know? It's not like you can control someone's face. I would hope you could because that's going to be your poster child now. Well, Hollywood. That'll be planned. That'll be next. <laughs> That also means that uh, he'll be a little bit more active of a fighter, it looks like. And in the post-presser, I think you would enjoy this too. Uh, There was a moment where Fabricio, he said not only was this a bigger win than when he beat Fedor, but he said that uh, he was trying to get Dana to pay for his trip to Cancun because he's like, yeah, I'm just going to take some time off. You know, go to Cancun. You want to pay for that, Dana? (laughs) So uh, it is. Yeah. Like, oh, fucking pay for it. Um, Melendez versus Alvarez. <sighs> Again, not the kind of fight I really would have loved to see, but it wasn't a bad fight. It was in the first round. Gilbert Melendez uh, busted open Eddie Alvarez. Like he hit him with a spinning back elbow Kev. And, uh, this is where you can tell Joe Rogan knows science. Okay. I he love hits him it with the spinning that's... back elbow. And then he looks fine. He looks just fine. And then all of a sudden he blows out of his nose, which is broken. And his whole eye swells up and you see it because they played it in slow motion happen Ugh. in the slow motion. And it is, Gross, but also interesting. Science. <laughs> it is gross, but interesting. Okay, so these two, like, is that indicative of what happens in the fight then? Like, because Alvarez wins by decision. I'm confused. Well, it's, that's if you're going from the first round. It's also controversial, especially if you ask one of the Diaz brothers. I believe it was Nate Diaz who was no saying – uh, you know, I mean, he didn't do anything, you know, right now. It's like Gilbert's fine, but, you know, uh, you know, but hey, they took him to a hospital because he can't move because, you know, Gilbert beat the shit out of him and that's it. So, okay. okay. So the, the next two rounds, there's takedowns that Eddie Alvarez is getting because Eddie's, you know, he's hurt. But in those two rounds, he's resourceful because, you know, he's the dude who's done that before. That's what he did in Bellator and that's what he's known for. And he out wrestles Gilbert. Now, there's some controversy whether Gilbert still outstruck him more, and it looks like Gilbert may have had more significant strikes. No. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean 37 to 31 is what but the book has. I will tell you this, Kev. I did score the fight for Eddie Alvarez because I think Gilbert let the fight get out from under him. He had but, a lot more control. Yeah. yeah, but it's hard to say because – uh, you know, Gilbert just – he looked like he could have gone in for the finish and he just 
you know, took the foot off the pedal for a little bit. So that was disappointing. But I will tell you what was not disappointing was the return of Kelvin Gastelum. I was just going to say, who beats Nate, the below-average Marquardt. Yes, and uh, what was disappointing, though, (laughs) in returning to that is Nate Marquardt did the thing where he goes back to his corner and he says he's done. And I hate that. There's fewer things that I hate watching. And I know some people uh, don't like the guy because, you know, steroids and whatnot. It's still tough to see when a fighter just can't answer the bell and they're just like, I'm done. And to be honest, it's that kind of thing where it looks like you wonder, is he done done? Like forever? Yeah. So I don't know. Um, Fight of the night was uh, Yar Rodriguez and Charles Rosa. Great fight. Rodriguez outclassed him very easily. And uh, Charles Rosa was a very tough kid, but uh, I was excited. That was the type of fight I was hoping would happen. And uh, I was very glad about it. Well, they're very dainty young men, so I'm glad they were able to... <laughs> Wow. Uh, Tisha Torres versus Angela Hill. Pretty boring. Okay. Yeah, decision. Decision victory. Um, we go down to Cejudo versus Chico Camus. Not super eventful either. However, the one thing that was eventful about this particular one, Kev was that Cejudo, at the end of the fight, which he got the nod, he said, tells Joe Rogan, can't make this up, okay? Apologizes to fans for not giving the full performance that he could have. Do you know what he blamed it on? No, what? Bad tacos. (laughs) Who hasn't been there? Honestly, that's the exact same text message I got from my friend Smitty. So, Smitty, you're not alone in saying that exact statement. But, uh, yeah, it was a very strange one. Uh, Then we had, uh, I mean, guillotines. It was so hot last night. No, it was very hot. Standing guillotines that happened back to back. And within one minute's time on each of them, the most uh, disappointing, actually, was you know Patrick Williams versus Alejandro Perez, which I believe now has the uh, record for shortest submission in the octagon, which was great. And our good friend Drew Dober, unfortunately, uh, went down to a standing guillotine as well. But yeah. they were both yes, spectacular. Geez. And that's all you can kind of hope for in that type of situation. It's like if you get caught with a creative – Joke, you caught with the creative joke. Shit happens. It happens, dude. But, uh, you know, it was all in all kind of okay. I will say this. It was better than what we thought it would be based on what was on paper. I don't know that that was a ton. Yeah. What I would like to talk with you about is what are your thoughts on the Aldo McGregor, Kanye West, Jay-Z promo? I'm not crazy about it. Tell me why. I don't a thousand percent like Aldo's not fighting. Like I'm confused. Well, I'm sorry, Aldo's fighting, but uh, I don't understand why the two of them are doing like a rap fight as well. Like I don't understand the ad. It's not a rap fight. They're not rapping each other. 
No, no, no. They're not. But they're getting like a hip hop vibe to it. Do you not enjoy hip hop for fights to promote event? No, not when the event is fighting. Like not when the <laughs> event is them fighting. <laughs> well, uh, I have to tell you, I'm a huge fan of this promo. I think it's amazing. Oh, you're in. Dana on says, it. "Oh, 100 percent." It gets me hype every time I see it. I'm like, "Yeah, I want to see this fight." And you know what? I'm totally into it. It's the the biggest marquee thing that they could put on for two little guys and still make it exciting. So, yeah, Dana says it's the most they've ever spent on a promo. I welcome it. I think it's a great song, and I love what they do with it. So I wish they would do more of those, but it's pretty expensive. So, you know, uh, know, oh, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. And I think a couple other notes, Ariel Hawani went into the crowd a couple times. I didn't know if he would make it back, mostly (laughs) because it looks like the Mexican crowd was going to eat him up alive. Uh, they did prelims on FX, which was strange. Um, mostly FX is like, I forgot all about it. So that was strange to to see it on that uh, there. Other than that, it was, uh, you know, it was a pay-per-view. Well, that's hard to argue with. <laughs> Thank you. What, who won Fight of the Night? Do you know? Uh, yes, Fight of the Night was repeated earlier. When I told you it was Rosa versus uh, Rosa. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were interjecting opinion. You were saying, no, that was actually the fight of the night. Apologies. That is That's okay. That's just a little internal communication. I hate to let people see the sausage being made. But, Raph, mm. do you know who won between Travis and I? I do. Could you tell if, me? Well, Travis isn't here right now, and we wish him the best wherever he is. He's um, no longer with us. Like. Uh, he's not, he's, well, he's, he's not my, dead. He's, he's just not yeah. with us today. <laughs> um, but yes, um, if you were to trash talk yourself as Travis, what would you say to you, Kevin? Uh, Kevin, there's no way you're going to be able to do something mannish like chop down a tree that's reserved for people with grease on their elbows and stain on their teeth, you limp wristed liberal. I think uh, you also need to add in something about America in there. And I'm the kid that gets the picks right because that's what the flag's about, getting picks right. Okay. Well, I got a little controversial toward the end. And how would you, Kevin, respond to what you said as Travis? Oh, for fuck's sake. It was Spring Hill. We were raised in the same place. Quit being so sharp and optimistic. And I don't care how much you work out and about your healthy lifestyle. I'm owning you because I voted against people like Alex Rodriguez. You did. Alex Perez. Alex Perez, not Rodriguez. <laughs> Sorry, that's the, that's the baseball player. Yes, and uh, our apologies to our good friend Alex Perez, who's so, probably listening in. Y- yeah, that's right. Uh, Kevin votes against you only because he's jealous of your game. Just remember that. But uh, I think it's time to reveal a winner, Kev. Would you like to know that we had one of the most impressive streaks that we have ever had on Over Under, Kevin? No, what? Okay. For eight fights in a row, one of you got it right entirely. There was like (laughs) a a staggering like seven or eight fights that all happened where they called them perfectly. Uh... 
<laughs> you would be correct in that because our good friend Travis won seven, seven or eight. Eh, I think it's seven, seven to five. Kevin, you had five right picks. That's it's not bullshit. I mean, it's just fact. Uh, this is it's such a ridiculous night of fights to again to lose. Because I'll, I'll tell you this. This is the worst part here is that I've never seen this happen where the first seven picks, he went seven for seven. That's never happened. But that can't be possible because um, I picked Patrick Williams over Alejandro Perez. That is correct. However, also picked Esquerdo. but so did he. He also picked Williams. Uh, however, yeah. the Esquerdo is where he went wrong. It was his faith in the Midwest is where our good friend <sighs> Travis erred. It was uh, <laughs> right there because I was trying to figure it out. I was like, dude, you ever watch somebody who's batting a thousand like pitching the perfect game? Another baseball metaphor, I just don't know. Like, these things don't happen statistically. So when I was watching it happen, I go, man, could he pitch a perfect game? Is this going to happen? And then Drew Dauber had to, to lose. So, uh, however, Kev, here's the most important part about the Drew Dober fight for you. Do you remember what you did on this fight? Yeah. What would you do? I picked it as fight of the night. No. Performance of the night. Performance of the if night. If you will recall, on last week's episode, you said Esquerdo. you were picking Esquerdo because um, Drew Dober, sure friend of the podcast, Yeah, you said that you were trying to do a reverse jinx so yeah. that Drew could win the fight. Yeah. And then he lost. Correct. Okay. Well, we've discovered your voodoo magic does not work. My uh, fault entirely. In the way that you want it to. So, yes, entirely your fault. In fact, I may text Drew to let him know that, but that'll be a discussion for a different time, Kevin. (laughs) Very different time. Um, Anything else from this card you want to hash out? No, not particularly. So, you know. Thanks for being there, Mexico City. We will see you back again in the UFC pay-per-view for Over Under Kevin at UFC 189. And I'm excited for that card. I'd like to introduce him as a hero to the jiu-jitsu community, but frankly, Raph, I've gotten a little jealous. And when you get a little jealous, you start to realize it's like, you know what, fuck this guy. Achieved a PhD, is a working, he does clinical psychology, a lot of work in different milieus, but simultaneously, that wouldn't bother me. That's fine. Like, people do that. Also happens to be a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. So much so that he's connecting the dots. We're happy to have him on the podcast, Dr. David Lee. Delay, and now I'm fucking it up, too. David, how are you doing this evening? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. 
when did you start jujitsu? Were you already like a stressed out grad student or were you a teenager? Like when did you get in on the, on the jujitsu? Wow. Wow. I wish I was that young. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> God almighty. Don't I wrestled back in high school. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, you know, I've wrestled for seven, eight years back in school and I thought about wrestling in college, but I got I got better you know scholarships for academics and unfortunately back then jujitsu wasn't uh, jujitsu yeah, wasn't available and you know about nine years ago my son uh, did some jujitsu up in Santa Fe um, and uh, I was taking him to the classes and I'm watching it and I said man this is this this looks so cool this looks like so much fun and I asked my son I, I think he was like twelve at the time. And I said, you know, would it be okay with you if I tried this out too? And he goes, yeah, totally. So, uh, so I started, I started training. I started training with Alberto Crane, and uh, <laughs> then we, you know, the, our, our school turned into a Gracie Baja school. So I've been training pretty regularly for about nine years. I came into it with a, you know, with wrestling background, um, but I, I haven't stopped since. Man, I love it. That's awesome. Uh, Alberto Crane is is uh, no stranger to the folks out here in Los Angeles. Uh, he has a school out in Burbank, so that's crazy. Yeah. That is the the smallest of worlds. I, I hear so many people connected through him, so that that's absolutely great. Um, yeah, absolutely. Now, it's a small world. yeah, no kidding, man. Now we're gonna go a little bit through your your background, but you are a clinical psychologist, correct? Yeah, yeah. I've got a I've got a PhD. I've run a I run a large mental health program. We treat like, I don't know, 2,000 people a year, psychiatry, substance abuse treatment, kids services, family services, kind of you name it. And, you know, something you said a minute ago, I mean, in terms of stress, um, I deal a lot with some of the most stressful situations you can imagine between bureaucrats, managed care organizations, Mm. and people whose lives are just falling apart. And being able to go and do jujitsu is one of the healthiest things in my life. Uh, absolutely, I I can't imagine a better place. I know for a lot of people who work, it is a, a great stress reliever. Even for Kevin and I, you know, we we both can have a hard day at work and be like, "Well, go on a train," so that I don't think about it. When you are talking to somebody, though, how long is it before you bring up? Have you tried jujitsu? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I, well, it's funny. I, I have never yet uh, rolled with a patient, and, and I still wonder, would it be therapeutic to let them tap me, or would it be more therapeutic for me to put them to sleep? You know, which, Depends one, is on... gonna, which, one, is, which one is gonna help more? Classic uh, brown belt conundrum. Absolutely. I would <laughs> That's such say, a brown belt perspective. Um, yeah. I would probably say it depends on how much you're charging them per hour. Probably, yeah. Uh, oh, that's, totally. that's the first thing. Yeah, if... I will say it's funny. I was out in L.A. a couple of months ago, and I was taking a show, and uh, Psycho Mike from Dr. Drew was hanging out there, and he and I were oh, sitting yeah. there, and I looked at him, and I said, you know, this is a weird question, but do you train? And he goes, yeah. And so it turns out, yeah, he's, he's training. He's a purple belt in jiu-jitsu, and I yep. want to say he rolls with Alberto sometimes. He, I will tell you this, he is, uh, 
He's a big guy. He even when he was on K Rock, a local affiliate out here before he was doing Loveline, which is also on K Rock out here in Los Angeles. He was always doing bodybuilding competitions and you know, always uh, you know, really into fitness. And then I think I read maybe about a year or two ago that he was doing jujitsu and I go, Nope, he's the person I don't want to do jujitsu. He's the person we're all trying to beat. That's not fair. <laughs> You know, I love it when I get to roll with big guys. I mean, there's this one guy that came came to, uh, to Albuquerque from Brazil to train with us, and the guy is six foot eight, two hundred and eighty, two hundred and eighty five pounds. And when I get to roll with him, it's just it's fun, man. I'm, you know, I, I'm a smaller guy. I'm like five foot eight, hundred and seventy, uh, and rolling with him is just a blast. Well, okay. I, I like the big guys. Uh, well, okay. Then I think it's a good time to bring up. You usually talk about sex, uh, as, uh, your forms of studies. So uh, I don't know. Maybe this is my amateur uh, Freud uh, coming in. Uh, is it is it a help to get away from that though when you are doing this? Because I know that you just wrote for Psychology. Uh, is it Psychology mm-hmm. Today? And uh, yeah. you got. Let me ask you this: Did you get paid to write about jujitsu? Yeah, that's the question I think um, we're curious about here. It's like you you get the article published, and both Rev are like, yeah. "How do you do that? Like, who's he talking Absolutely. to?" Yeah, you know, it's funny. I've been writing for Psychology Today probably I don't know four or five years, and and like you said, I usually write about sexuality and relationships and stuff like that. And uh, I was, you know, I've been trying to kind of break away from that a little bit. And Jiu-Jitsu is just so important to me. It's such a powerful thing in my life and in the life of the people I, I, I work out with. And I said, wow, you know, and I've been thinking about it. I can remember going on a hike one day, and I was thinking about, you know, the psychology of Jiu-Jitsu and just trying to understand why it's so powerful. And I, I ended up with some good ideas, and so I sat down and wrote them. And, uh, you know, I posted this article on Psychology Today on my website. And, I, yeah, I got paid a little bit for that. But the cool thing is that that article just went viral, and uh, mm. two people all around the world were picking it up, and I was getting all kinds of cool emails. I got offers of free tickets to all these cool fights and metamorphs and everything. It was very cool. It made me really happy. Hold on. You said several things. We're going to have to address each of those uh, by bullet points, if you would. You get, yeah, I was about to say. Psychology Today sponsorship from Coral, or at what point? Uh, at what point did you convince them that you were doing a jujitsu article? Because I know when we bring it up to our respective works um, or to our respective friends, you can sound like a crazy person. And as a person who writes for a living, I know what it's like to pitch these kind of articles. In fact, I'm always angling for any time I can do an MMA or a jujitsu based kind of article. Uh, for you, when you go, hey guys, have you heard about jujitsu? I'm pretty sure, and you can tell me differently. When I was doing uh, my master's work, the moment I knew I was going to be okay at it was I go, hey, have you guys heard of the UFC? And nobody raised a hand. And I go, <laughs> all right then. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. I've got something. Was it similar, or did they were they just intrigued by it just from a psychological angle because of the mental strength that you do need to participate in the event? Yeah, mostly the latter. You know, I have a lot of freedom in what I write, and, uh, you know, my writing has been pretty successful, you know, especially stepping outside, talking about sexuality. That was a little new for them. And then, you know, as I started writing and talking about jujitsu, 
um, everybody in my life kind of knows how important it is to me. You know, they, you know, it is built into my schedule. You know, I go train. We've got an, kind of an, a live training Tuesday, Thursdays. That you know, folks from Jackson's come in and train with us. We've got some world class people that come work out with us, and that's just built into my schedule. All my staff, they know where I am, and they know not to bother me. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, hey, don't fuck with David when he's at jiu-jitsu. He's a Absolutely. real dick about it. Like, he's yeah. really, like, if if it's a question, it can wait. Trust us. We've yeah. been here a few years. I like that. Absolutely. And then I show up, and I've got, you know, I've got scratches and black eyes, and they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> jiu-jitsu, buddy. Yeah. Here's, here's a domestic violence, you know, referral. Um <laughs> Uh, that always goes over really well. No, but, yeah, seriously, jiu-jitsu is just, just so important to me, and I think it's just so fascinating. I think it's so so powerful, just, you know, what it does in people's lives, what it does in, in, in people's minds. I mean, you guys have seen the same kind of things I've seen, where guys come in, and they're kind of socially awkward and maybe a little overweight, and, and you know, they start training and they get hooked, and, uh, you know, six months later, a year later, two years later, there are these guys who, yeah, I, I, literally, I was talking to this guy yesterday, lost 70 pounds in six months, and the guy, jiu-jitsu has just changed his life. Well, this and is what's, I think that's much. It's so important. It's so wonderful. This is what's fascinating about the article, because you call out some specific reasons. Like, we hear, we hear that a lot, and it's hard to quantify. It's a hard right, thing to, like, right. try and break out into categories, and you did. And a few of the things you mentioned I don't think would surprise anything anyone, but a few of them absolutely would. Like the idea of just human physical touch, which is an important part of like fighting culture and any culture. And it's like it's this diminished thing that becomes a, a heavy part of your life when you train. And I think that's like that's what I thought was fascinating about the article. It was like the first like, – it was one of the few attempts I've seen to quantify the actual characteristics that compose that statement. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, the from the first time you walk on the mat doing jiu-jitsu, you know, you, you've got contact, you're up against somebody, and um, and that's really powerful. You know, I can remember back in the day when I tried karate and some other stuff, you know, and I'm doing all these katas and drills, and, and I'm never actually having contact, and it was just boring. But, you know, jiu-jitsu, you walk in, and, and all of a sudden, you know, you've got this, this other person there, and they're trying to... They're trying to submit you, and you're trying to just, you know, just try not not to cry like a baby because you don't know what's happening. It's so powerful. And the thing is that that contact triggers all kinds of neurochemicals in your body. And, and, you know, my wife actually coined the phrase that jiu-jitsu is is like cuddling for alpha males. Because (laughs) you've got this body-to-body contact, and it's like a hug. It goes on for six minutes, you know, um, and it triggers all of this amazing cascade of chemicals in your brain that are connected to, you know, focus, that are connected to healing, that are connected to developing relationships and developing trust. I, th- I think this is one of the reasons why, you know, really powerful relationships develop during jiu-jitsu where, you know, these guys are my brothers and, and the women I train with are my sisters. You know, we really, really feel like a family because when you're in there connecting at that physical, powerful kind of level, um, it's deep. It's into your heart and it's in your mind. Rep, what do you I think, think it is about my dominance that gets into your heart and mind? Just 
future. Well, okay, but here's the thing. Uh, Kevin is kind of leading me to the the question that I wanted to ask, which is this. And I'll ask you a, a better question after this, but this is important for right now. You have experience doing uh, jiu-jitsu, you're a brown belt, but you also do clinical psychology. And correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the tenets of clinical psychology is you can read minds. That's correct, right? <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm reading yours, and, and there's some dirty stuff in there, I just got to say. I'm, I'm surprised Beautiful. they gave you a show. Oh, nobody gave me a show, so I think that's uh, <laughs> that's a, a great thing. I love the idea that somebody gave this to us. Um, now, just hearing us talk and being able to read our minds, I would like you to describe what you think my game in jiu-jitsu is like and then describe what you think Kevin's game in jiu-jitsu is like. Well, I'd say Raph looks like a card player, and and I'd say Kevin looks like he's probably playing the kid the the kneeling game with the uh, lapel chokes. Ooh, how dare he! It's <laughs> knee season, but he's not wrong. It's not wrong. There was, there was a lot of lapel chokes going on recently. If we're just I don't know that I can confirm nor deny guard playing, uh, <laughs> but I was just intrigued as an exercise to see what that does. I, and the, I guess the, the most interesting aspect of Kevin and I, and especially why we were so happy you did this, and anytime you can bring more attention to jiu-jitsu and why we do this, because that is a big component that people don't seem to get at the very beginning, which is, why are you doing this? Um, especially if you, you, you coin it as a, a... Cerebral level. Like, that's a cool... Yeah. It's a cool time. Well, if you coin it as a long hug, then or a long cuddle, <laughs> then it's kind of like, well, shit, why are we doing Alpha. this? <laughs> but, uh, well, but, it, but it's a long cuddle where you're trying to choke somebody out and, 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 and win, win the hug. So it's a all I'm saying hug, is maybe you haven't had the right ex girlfriends, but that is commonplace. <laughs> where uh, sometimes you do them wrong, and and a long cuddle is a very different situation there. But if I am asking you this, you know, you may have some experience talking with athletes. Uh, one of the things that Kevin and I find on this show that's so intriguing to us and part of the reason why we like talking to so many of them is that they talk about this mental toughness that they need to have. It's all mental is what you hear consistently. Uh, is that something that you found if you talk to other jiu-jitsu athletes? Because I think it is a different beast and that's why we like talking to them is because Kevin and I aren't those people. But we like hearing Entirely. why somebody like a Gary Tonin has that mental block of – you just got to feel it 150% a day. I, you know, obviously I pay attention a lot to this. And one of the things, you know, I've been, I've been training for nine years. I'm a you know, third-degree brown belt. And I, you know, run classes and work out with people and everything else. One of the things I pay a lot of attention to is the psychology that people bring onto the map. And, you know, there are these guys that they'll come at you and they're, you, you know, they're already talking down about themselves. Oh, you know, I just want to get through this. You know, I, I, I yeah, you're going to tap me out really quick. And, and I always stop them and I'm like, like, hey, you know, that's your game right there. You got to come into this thinking not, not necessarily, hey, I'm going to dominate this guy, but hey, I'm in this to learn something. I'm in this to have fun. I'm in this to see how my game works against yours. And, and if you go in it that kind of direction, then it doesn't matter what happens in the match. It's just about improving yourself. That's the kind of psychology that I see guys bring onto the map and do very, very well. 
Because if you walk on the mat worried about, well, you know, this guy's going to submit me or I'm going to get humiliated here or, oh, you know, I know I can't even measure up against you, then you're talking yourself out of, out of even being able to do anything if you had a chance. That's the kind of stuff I talk to guys a lot about. You know, one of the things I find in myself is I'll hit this kind of plateau where I feel like my game is getting kind of stale, um, nothing I'm doing is working. And so what I do is, you know, I'll pick out one move, and I'll, I'll just kind of think about the move. Maybe I'll watch some YouTube videos. But I'll go in and I'll, I'll go into train, and my plan is, to work that move, and then throughout the whole day, it doesn't matter if I get tapped 15 or 20 times. If I get to try that move, then I win. That's my win for the day, and I walk away feeling successful. See, I this is very interesting to me. is powerful. It is, and, and you're bringing up a host of things that are, are interesting, and um, part of the reason why I think that what you're talking about right now hits home for me is so Kevin and I are comics and I think one thing that we do that is similar but different is that I've learned that when I step out on the mats, there's a, an expectation for us normally because people know we're comics uh, to be funny. So we always kind of throw the joke out there like, oh, man, you're going to get me. But I think part of the reason why I love doing it so much like in that particular way is is that. Once you get the laugh as a comic, then you don't care. You're just like, oh, yeah, beat the shit out of me. But it's funny because I have the same goal as you do, which is, oh, yeah, I want to work on this. And if I do that one little thing, then I'm literally on cloud nine. So I, I find that a, a fascinating thing uh, just to, in my own experiences. I can't speak for Kevin, though. I don't work on any one little thing, Raph. It's only the entire Baron Bolo sweep to attack or nothing at all. That's just how I keep it staying present. Uh, I like to be like the most extremely overconfident purple belt that's possible. It, tries, no. it hides the insecurity. <laughs> just being like, please don't. Um, no, this is – and this is what was fascinating. I, I enjoy – I enjoy thinking about it on a cerebral level and anything that helps us understand its appeal also helps us get better at it and reinforce why we train. And when you're sitting there on like a Thursday when it's too hot and it's like, oh, I've got a busy weekend. Why do I want to go train? And it's like, because I fucking read Dr. Lay's article that was talking about, you know what? I need to keep that testosterone level regulated and it's keeping me sane. And I might snap in traffic if I don't go train. So there is fucking science here, woman. That's where I'm going. So I got to go train. And people will just let you go. Think about that experience that we've all had where you're like, oh, I don't feel like training. But you force yourself to go. And then you're done and you leave and you're like, oh, that was fucking awesome. I'm so glad I came. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I love that because, you know, that, that is... That, that's your body and that's your brain celebrating, hey, this was the right thing. You did the right thing to force yourself to come because it makes you better. It makes you, it makes you a better man. It makes you a better person. It makes you a better jiu-jitsu player to just get in there. And it doesn't matter if you win or lose. When you walk out, you're, you're carrying something that you didn't have when you walked in. Absolutely. Well, here at Verbal Tap, we saw a smart article Written by an interesting guy. We got in touch with him. We want to thank you very much, Dr. David Lay. That's L-E-Y. You can find him on Twitter, at Dr. David Lay, L-E-Y. 
writing some interesting stuff. That's what was kind of cool about checking into your background and happens to be a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which is just, uh, you know, like I said, could you tone it down a smidge? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> some of us are just still working on one or the other. So if you could just quit right. being and, a dick about it, and you know, that would be nice. Kev, I was just thinking about this right now. You know, uh, one thing for us, uh, we'll, we'll bracket this in two parts. Number one, should we ever have questions about athletes and their mental aptitude? Would you be willing to potentially come back on the show and discuss those things? Oh, absolutely. I'd love to. I, I love talking about sports. Perfect, because now we have research. Eat it. Yeah. Audience. <laughs> uh, number absolutely. two. Number two. Uh, <laughs> Now you've got a doctor behind you. There you go. That's, you know, we, we haven't up until now. So all these I fucking laymen who don't fun. do their research, you right. <laughs> on notice. Uh, and number two, I know we were talking a little bit earlier about rolling with patients, but there is one detriment to that. Have you thought about it? Yeah. What is it? Oh, I think there are lots of detriments. <laughs> oh, there's lots of detriments. I'm worried about it. Okay. <laughs> But I, it's, know it's, gonna, it's, I know it's going to happen one day. I I sent patients in. I told people to go work out. I I send lots of young boys that don't have don't have you know dads in their lives and and are struggling with emotional stability in their lives. I send a lot of them in to jujitsu, and it really helps them. And that's very helpful. But I'm saying if you roll with one of your patients, maybe the worst part about the entire experience is, I think, parental patient discretion is going to be a problem because what if you really want to tell somebody how you did <laughs> that confidentiality is going to come back to hit you so, oh, you know, so. dude, I'm, going to, I'm going to hit some crazy brown bolo that I always struggled with <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's going to be one of those things where you, call, you pull off the craziest move with them and then you're not going to be able to tell anybody about it. So I'm just saying, I'm putting it out there so that you can think about that. Yeah, HIPAA prevents me from telling anybody how that match went. Yeah, great. Yeah, nice one. <laughs> oh, well, fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, at David, David, thank you so much for swinging by the podcast this evening. Hey, thanks for having me. You know, your, your listeners can find that article. It's under Psychology of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I'm working on another article talking about the psychology of uh, children coming into jiu-jitsu and how it, how it affects them. Oh, that's awesome. Would you like to interview Kevin for that? <laughs> you know, I, I need a certain level of emotional maturity to get good material. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm sure Kevin would meet my response. No, no, I, I definitely think you're right. Although, um, if you're ever worried about uh, not... <laughs> If you're ever worried about not uh, researching people who have uh, a full brain, <laughs> then, oh, you, know, you know, I'm just saying. There's all kinds of there, – there you go. Doing jiu-jitsu with, with, with impaired functions. Because um, let's no, be real. Yeah, you know, I always wonder how Kevin does it with half a brain because he's not bad at jiu-jitsu but like at other things. Well, but then the follow-up would have to be something about drunk jiu-jitsu, and, and that sounds scary because somebody ends up puking all over the mat. I don't – yeah, I don't think you want to get started on the drunk and the high jiu-jitsu with Kevin. I think it all starts to get uh, – it all starts to get mixed in there. So uh, anyway, 
Well, we can't thank you enough for your time. Uh, you guys, thank you so much, and uh, we look forward to having you on the podcast again soon. Sounds good. Stay in touch. Take care, guys. From Atos Jiu-Jitsu, I always like uh, saying that. I don't, I'm, I don't like go too far because I don't want to like get it up there yet. <laughs> um, we have someone fighting for the Submission Series Pro, which sounds like an awesome venue. But this is one of the grapplers they were talking about going out and getting to bring in because he's super exciting to watch. Josh Hanger, we have on the line. Josh, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great, guys. I really appreciate you having me on the show. And you, this Raph and I loved, so you've been grappling for a while. You've been, you know, part of like, since, so like, I, I consider myself as part of like the YouTube generation of jiu-jitsu, the generation that grew up and you could watch your fighters yeah. um, around. Um, so like, you've been around, but at EBI, when you were dominating, they kept calling you like <laughs> new to the scene. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting because I was actually, I could actually hear the commentators talking about me while I was fighting. No like, shit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Does that get in your head? Does that mess with you? No, not at all. Not at all. Oh, fascinating. That would fuck with me like, tremendously, Raph. Yeah, I'd, I'd hear one way. thing and I'd get pissed. Like, I already know. <laughs> I gotta say, you know, Josh, here's the thing, though. And this is what a terrible human being I am. And it's mostly just because you're so good at jujitsu. When you say it doesn't bother you, it makes me want to be on the sidelines and try and find what would bother you. Like to be on the sidelines and be like, man, he is he is three-fourths pretty. That is what he is. Yep. We need to find out man, like his I favorite heard, show or something. Does he read at a fourth grade level? Because I heard it was third. I'm not really he's, sure. He's like I really a just want to see a rise. But you're too much yeah. of a professional. Um, I don't know. For me, we got to talk a little bit after uh, EBI 3 and – it's tough for me as an interviewer when I'm looking at you and you've had a great, great set of performances, like ridiculously great set of matches. And when they do that, I think it kind of diminishes uh, the performance that you did. So we would like to credit you uh, oh, publicly you. on the podcast and then ask you, uh, you know, as a new person in jiu-jitsu – what do you credit it to? Do you credit it to steroids? Do you credit it to just, just dumb luck that you fell into it? Uh, no, man. I mean, it, I mean, we're talking about my, my matches. Uh, well, being new on the scene and doing so well is because we're trying to approach yeah. it from the mindset of how did they just blank statement say that because even if you were watching you and you've never seen you do jiu-jitsu before you get the impression maybe you've done it a few times though it's a little you know, bit of compliment to you too because you're like god josh is so athletic just look at him just like no <laughs> no experience necessary <laughs> no i mean it, it's it, you know there's no secret it's all it's just old-fashioned hard work but you know in, in their defense I'll, and i'll defend them in their defense, I was hiding out for three years in the middle of uh, nowhere in, in Indiana, um, and I wasn't competing actively for the past few years, you know. So, but I was training. I was still training out there, and, and so yeah, I just I came out of I came. Everyone always thinks I'm from Indiana, but I'm not from San Diego. But I was in Indiana for three years for graduate school, so 
so I, I, I just kind of came out of there and then hit the competition scene hard for everyone, you know, as a black belt, too. So I never I didn't compete very much as a brown belt at all, um, just one time, I think, actually. Um, so I can understand why they, they think I came out of nowhere. That's very nice of you, and that's indicative of an Indiana upbringing that you don't have. But <laughs> I just, I okay, you can defend them all you want, and that's fine, and I appreciate that. Uh, but still, you know, you, you can't help, you know, Kevin and I, we're not professionals. We talk, that's, that's kind of our thing, yeah. but like, we at least try to do the, the research when we go on anyway. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to, I, mean, I don't want to harp too much on that, but let's, let's talk a little bit about this before we go any further, which is, you know, how did you get involved in ABI and, and what did that series of, of matches mean to you now with a little retrospect? Um, actually, okay, well, you know, uh, I teach, uh, I teach a white belt and kids classes at, at Autos HQ in San Diego, and a few of the guys that are in my white belt class are also, uh, 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu guys, and they cross-train. They train at our place, uh, in the Gi, and they, and then, like, right after my class, they'll leave, and they'll go right over to, um, 10th Planet San Diego, uh, and train 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu over there. So, um, I think what happened is they needed they they had some openings and one of my one of the guys in my white belt class was like, Hey man, they're looking for more black belts for EBI. You should do it. Um, you know, I'll put you in contact with the guy and then um so he did. He put me into contact and I had a phone call and then we talked and then I was on board. That's awesome. There's a lot going on there. Number one, you're telling me there's a little group of hybrid jujitsu ninjas that study with you yeah. on Tenth Planet, which is fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. Right? And if the world isn't scared of that, they should be. I'm terrified. And so it's just, it's just like, yeah. wait, I'm sorry, what? Okay, that's number one. Number two, I also love that it was one of your students. It was like, hey, uh, Professor Josh, like you are a fucking beast. You should get in on this tournament action. And you're like, yeah, I should. And that's how it goes. That's a funny one. Honestly, that was it. That that's was it. fantastic. He said, hey, man, you should do this. And I was like, hey, let's do it. You know, I love Nogi. I, you know, I, I started doing Nogi way before I started training in the Gi, because I used to train at an MMA academy, and it was strictly Nogi. And uh, I was a high school wrestler, so, of course, I loved the Nogi. So, you know, I was, I'm always game to fight, you know, without a Gi on. So, okay, that brings up a nice introduction to your background. You started as a wrestler, and then you made the transition to jiu-jitsu, yeah. and then they were like, here's this fancy pajama, you know, put it on. <laughs> well, okay, I'll, I, here's the story. So um, so I was, I was like strictly a nogi guy, and I was, I was one of those guys who would kind of rage about how nogi is the best, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that the gi is, like, really funny looking, and it's like pajamas and whatever. Um, and, and I got tired of, of having this argument with people without actually knowing, you know, I was like, you know what, I'm going to put on a gi, I'm going to train in this gi, and then I'm going to really be able to talk some smack about it because then I can, you know, I've done it, I've done it, you know, it's kind of ignorant for me to talk about it having never done it. <laughs> so I put a gi on one day, uh, and I think I was a purple belt, um, a no gi purple belt, you know, and, and some people will debate whether you're actually a purple belt uh, if you've never trained in gi or not. But <laughs> I put it on one day and I trained with a couple of white belts and blue belts and they were just like smoking me. They were locking my hips down and like passing my guard and like, you know, holding onto my pants. And I was just like, man, you guys are cheating. You got to stop having my clothes. It's cheating, man. I'm 
Uh, but no, to be honest, I just re- I really I had a lot of fun in it. I thought it was really fun, and it was new, and it was different, and it was like a whole whole other thing to learn. And I, you know, I love learning, so I just kept training. Jeez, so then, all right, so you make the transition. You're starting to do that. What takes you out to Indiana? Because I've lived in the Midwest for a little while. Ooh. I was a California kid, and uh, I lived in Illinois, and I lived in Kentucky. So I was in your general region. But what brought you out there? What were you studying for grad school? Okay, so um, after I graduated college, I joined the Peace Corps. Mm-hmm. And I was in the Peace Corps for two years. And that was my jujitsu hiatus. I was a blue belt and I stopped training for two years like everyone does when they're a blue belt. Um, <laughs> and then I get out of the Peace Corps and I come back to the States. And then that was like in 2008, right, when the, kind of the economy tanked. And so I came back and I was kind of job hunting. I couldn't find any jobs that I liked. And I found I was working at a bank for a while and it sucked. Um, and then my buddy, Jason Bukic, he was teaching classes for Undisputed in Tucson, Arizona. Well, Jason's a bit of a nomad. Uh, he's a black belt under Barry Yoshida, in case you need a reference. But he he's a bit of a nomad and he wanted to go to Taiwan for a while. So he calls me up and he's like, hey, I want to go to Taiwan. Do you want to come to Tucson and teach at my school? And I was like, done back up my car a week later and I hit the road. Um, so I'm at Shit. Tucson was supposed to be six months, turns into a two years and six months. So I'm out there teaching no gi jiu-jitsu at a MMA school, uh, undisputed Tucson for two and a half years. And then at that time I'm like, you know, I would like to go to grad school. It's like a thing that I've always wanted to do. So I want to go to graduate school and get a master's degree. Um, so I applied to several schools, um, but Indiana University gave me the best funding package, so I got, you know, some, some nice scholarship money. So I packed up my things from Tucson, and I moved to Indiana for three years. And what were you studying out there? I, I did a double master's degree. Um, the first one is in Central oh, okay. Eurasian Languages, because I lived in mm-hmm. Turkmenistan, which is Central Asia, and I learned how to speak Turkmen. So I went to the Central Eurasian Studies program at Indiana, which is... Well, I think the only university that has a program in that specific area. Um, and I studied some, some foreign languages and some cultural stuff in that program. And then I applied to a separate program, um, and I studied public financial administration, So, which is a more practical degree to have than a Central Eurasian languages degree. Oh, dare so. We'll come back to that in a second, I was like, but <laughs> I wasn't exactly sure I'm that still I... still trying could... to write down the title. Hold on, <laughs> I'm exactly sure I could find a way to be even more jealous of you, but I think we're slowly approaching that with the double major in graduate school. So congratulations. You, you've done that and you've accomplished that very nicely. Uh, <laughs> so when you're out there and you are, are training, obviously you're in Indiana. What is the training like out there for you? I mean, I'm sure out there it's – for me, it would be ridiculously good because you do have a good wrestling background with a lot of people out there. So do you feel kind yeah, of that yeah, yeah. or what is that like for you? So, okay. So when I go to Indiana, I'm, I'm kind of a ruining, right? I don't really have a flag that I fly. I don't really have a, a teacher. You know, I was under Barrett Yoshida when I was with Undisputed, oh, but then Barrett left Undisputed, but I stayed with Undisputed because they were, they were you know, my paycheck. So I stayed with them and he left. So I kind of got dissociated with him. Um, and then when I went to Indiana, I kind of had no one. I was just, I was just Josh, the, the brown belt, you know, I didn't have a school or anything. Um, and so as I'm, as I'm driving out there across the country, I get a, a Facebook message from my, my good friend, Tim Sled. 
Tim Sled at the time was a brown belt under Andre Galvao. Um, and he was like, hey, I hear you're coming out here. Um, when you get here, you know, come on by my place and let's train together. And I was like, oh, great. I didn't even, haven't even gotten there yet, and I've already made a friend. And uh, so, I, yeah, I went over to Tim Sled, and he was running an office affiliation. And I, I would train with him, and yeah, we had a great role and uh, became very good friends. And, and the, training is, the training is good. I mean, uh, it's, it's not as tough as San Diego, of course. Um, but but well, everyone is game, yeah. you know, and, and they would bring, they'd bring the fight to me. And, you know, I mean, if you, if you line up, you know, 50 blue belts and you roll them in a row, it's, it gets to be pretty tough. No shit. And how does that – so talk to me because I – this is fascinating to me, especially the way you stay in shape and the way you're doing it. Throughout all of this, do you just know that jiu-jitsu is going to be what you're going to be doing and you have that feeling inside you that keeps it going? Because a lot of people might be discouraged by that sort of bump of the road and trying to switch and become an instructor. Yeah, yeah, you know, I was out there, uh, you know, and I, I enjoyed school. I enjoyed learning. Um, but, you know, I'm sit, I'd be sitting at my desk in the morning, in the afternoon, like, working on a spreadsheet or something, thinking about jiu-jitsu. And I'm like, and I'd be looking at Facebook and I would see all, like, Michael Carbolito uh, and Andre Gava posting, you know, stuff about their training. And I just kind of like look at it and I like, kind of curse at them when my breath a little bit like, ah, I want to be out there, you know, running spurs <laughs> on the beach. And here I am in Indiana working on a spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I knew that I knew it was always the goal to, to go back to San Diego. You know, it's my home, my family's here. Um, I think it's the greatest city in the world. Um, but you know, it's like good jujitsu. How yeah, do you? you know, how do you hook up with Andre? Um, so I met Andre through Tim Sled. Yeah, so I was training with Tim Sled in Indiana, and he would bring Andre out twice a year for seminars. And you know, we just had the first time I met him was right after he won uh, the ADCC tournament in 2011. He came out like a month after that, and uh, you know, he was the man of the hour. Uh, so I was kind of starstruck when I first met him, and he was just like the nicest guy. You know, super humble, super modest, um, always smiling, always willing to talk to you. And so uh, I was lucky. You know, I did the seminar, and there was probably 70 guys there. It was packed. And and he was like, okay, guys, you know, we're going to start training now. And I know you all want to, you know, submit me. Um, but he's like, you know, just let me let me kind of pick who I want to roll with because, I, I, you know, I can't roll with all of you. And then, boom, he picked me like second round or something. Uh, and I was stoked, you know, and he worked me for a little bit and we had a great role, you know, and then he rolled me again at the end of the seminar for probably like 20 or 30 minutes, you know, after everyone left. Um, so I don't know how I got so lucky, but, um, we ended up, we just got along really well. We clicked immediately. So I just, I, you know, I knew that he was like the guy, you know, Kev, could you Kev, imagine, could you imagine what being what it's like, like, oh, I forgot, I want a lot of in here and Josh, Josh, Josh gets roll roll again, again. again. <laughs> Yes, I can't. I would be pissed too. It's like, oh, jo- oh, Josh is on round two. I haven't even gotten. I've been yeah, trying to right. get Andre <laughs> to sign my gi, and he's being a real. He's being really hard to get in touch with about it. But here we are. Yeah, I do. I do. I got him like the second round, and then he rolled him off the third round, and then I got him again the fourth round, and then I got him again at the end of the seminar. <laughs> and, again, I, and I, you know, at that point, I hadn't been worked that bad, and in. <laughs> I mean, five years or something, I hadn't had my ass kicked that bad. 
Isn't that kind of awesome, too? And obviously, uh, yeah. you're just greedy, by the way. That's what's obvious about this. But isn't it, like, such a cool feeling when you just get the shit kicked out of you? Yeah. I enjoy that frequently. You probably don't get to experience it, obviously, quite like I do at the moment. Um, but obviously, you had your time. <laughs> it, had, it had been a while, because Undisputed in Tucson, I was the head instructor, you know, so I was kind of, you know, I, I was, I had some really good training partners, don't, don't get me wrong, um, but for the most part, yeah, you know, I, I was kind of like, you know, the bigger fish in the pond, um, and in Indiana, same thing, you know, I, I, you know, Indiana doesn't have too many black belts, and, and the ones that are there, they're kind of spread out, Which so, is... uh, yeah, no, it was great, you know, once I, once I, he just like beat me up, and I was like, I was hooked. I need to train with this guy. <laughs> How do I get more of what? this? Which is the fucked jujitsu side of anyone's head. Which is a very... It's hard to explain. It's just, uh, you get beat up, you feel it, you're like, oh, wait, how do I never make this happen again? And there's only really one way to make that happen. So, I get it. Exactly. Which is what I like. So, talk to us about fighting in Canada. You're fighting for the Submission Series Pro, and we got a chance to chat with them. We, we chatted with them a little bit last week, and one of the things that they said was, we want to give our local guys a legit crack at Premier Fighters. You're one of those Premier Fighters. What's your mindset as you're going into Halifax? I don't even know what the NS stands for. Josh. Nova Scotia. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I know it has a meaning, but I know it's in Canada. Okay, you're fighting Halifax, Nova Scotia, presumably 84, 84 to 62 hours away. I don't know precisely. What's your mindset? Uh, I'm pumped, you know. I, I'm really looking forward to it. I, lo- I'm, I love Nogi fights. You know, I, I, I walk into Nogi fights with, like, a supreme level of confidence. Um. And, and we just made the shift um, in our academy to the to no D training because uh, yeah. you know, our, our place is getting ready for the APCC tournament. So we're switched over, and man, I got some of the best no guys in the world to train with. So I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm in shape. I'm healthy, um, and I love to travel. I love to travel. You know, I travel all over. I've traveled all over the world, and uh, I'm so. And I've never been to Canada, so I'm excited hey, to uh, what. This is the yeah. perfect time to go to Canada too. This yeah, is the best time because it's yeah, it's not fucking cold. It's not fucking debilitatingly freezing. <laughs> and, yeah, and you know, I just had a I had a Hoodridge living with me for the past two months uh, for the World Camp, so I became very accustomed to the Canadian hospitality. <laughs> having Hoodridge in my house, so I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited to fight with Hoodridge. Uh, we spent we had many many rounds with each other the past few months. So I'm glad I get a chance to fight on the card with him and, and with my other teammates. And, and when, when we get together, man, we're unstoppable. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to come back to your team in a little bit, but I do want to ask you, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your opponent? Because Kevin and I have heard things. We have heard things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what have you heard? No, no, you go first. Yeah, then we'll like, <laughs> be a teacher. I actually don't know anything about him. All I know is what Hoodrich told me. And what Hoodrich told me was that he's really tough. And I was like, well, I can assume that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can say a lot of things about Atos, but getting intel, maybe not <laughs> their number one. He's pretty t- – oh, thanks. Thank you. Yeah. I, I thought they were going to give me someone who's just kind of a soft brown. But uh, I was really hoping that you had, you know, Keenan as like a James Bond type that comes back and like – 
puts a file folder and is like, here it is. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Kev, do you do you want to go a little bit into depth about what we know? Well, he, you might be fighting several of the people there's instructor, Josh. You might be fighting their uh, their okay. main haunch. Like, like you mean the other guys on the on the card? On the I mean the other guys in attendance, kind of running the cards, kind of oh, everything. Okay. You might be you might be fighting somebody that's intricate to the influence of jujitsu for this event. That's what I'm saying. Okay, I see. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so having said that, and we'll give you some time to process it, but um, having said that. You know, maybe when you feel it out and you feel you can take the match pretty quickly, maybe, maybe just like give it a few minutes. Give it a couple minutes. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like, like really, really control save that position. Yeah, and come to it a few minutes later. I mean, I presume that's how you roll jujitsu. I've watched you a few times. I think I, I think I get how it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just get to choose where you go. Just I mean, here's the thing: it's probably it, gonna go end back in to it anyway. So, Pro- like, probably right. Like, let's just go with your signature and just let it happen. And it, I'm sure you've got 12 different entries to it, so no problem. It's fine. Um, but that was information to us. I'm I'm astounded. So for you, you have to be at this great place where people will call you and just say like, "We want you on a card," and details matter not. Yeah, I mean, for for me, yeah, I, I'm just happy to fight. You know, uh, and I love traveling. So if you know if my expenses are paid and I get to travel, man, I'm, obviously. I'm and being I'm new fighting. to jujitsu, I'm sure that's got to be a huge perk for you. <laughs> so, yeah, that they would crazy. just reach out to somebody like you and, and yeah. allow you yeah. to come on a guard. Cause, yeah, because I just started jujitsu like last year. You know? uh, absolutely. I also I mean, do like the idea of just being Josh. We need someone to fight. No gi. It's like, oh well, I'm in. Oh yeah. okay. Well, you, you know, don't know need what, to hear happened, like, what happened? What happened? No. Um, after EBI, Cat Clark uh, contacted me, and we chit chatted a lot. You know about just possible opponents in the future and doing doing this event in the future so we'd already talked and then, and then we didn't talk for a little while and then he just kind of came to me and he was like hey you know i got this guy fell out last minute he's like i would you know be honored if you would you would fill in for me because you know especially because we already have some other teammates on the card so yeah so i was, I was honored you know and then uh hopefully if all goes well he'll have me back in the future now you had something interesting happen because you were coming on the card and they were cluing you in. So Cat did this tease where he's like, "Tonight we're gonna reveal who's joining us." How did it feel to become part of a mystery? Because if you're you and you know what's happening, um, how does one feel when they see that they're gonna tease you? And then the first clue is is like first clue EBI. I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy about it. I, I mean, you know, any publicity is good publicity, you know. Absolutely. It's, you know, and Cat's a great guy. You know, he he. Uh, I enjoy. I enjoyed you know working with him. He, he's uh, he's very supportive, and so yeah, I appreciate. I appreciate how he's handled the whole situation. Well, we love Cat too, but I'm just I'm you know if I'm me and they're like we're gonna tease who it is, I'm thinking like oh no, they're making me a puzzle. What the shit are they gonna say about me? Uh oh. <laughs> Uh, uh, none of that went through your head. None of that's like no, not really. Okay, not okay. really. You know, I'm used to being the dark horse. <laughs> Does that? Do you feel like a dark horse there? Because I, I still don't. I don't get that impression about you. 
Oh, it's just, you know, just making a joke. I was taking a stab at EBI. Oh, okay. I wanted, I was like, I was like, I think we should move past that. And those, you know what I mean? Like, I, this is when you know I, I get mad as a producer when I'm over on the side being like, oh my God, my head's just in my hands. Uh, <laughs> God, I'm just so pissed. Uh, for you, do you do any fun things while you're out in Nova Scotia? What's the fun thing to do out there? Have you heard? Have you asked? No, uh, I have no, <laughs> I have no idea. No I was going to let Hutchins kind of lead the charge after the event, and you know he's a Canadian, so I figure he'll he'll know what Canadians do. I guess we'll eat some poutine or something. <laughs> have you figured out what snow dog you want to go ahead and put on retainer to have you mush around? Or... <laughs> I mean, if I if I get to, if I get to play with some snow dogs, I'll be ecstatic. <laughs> so you know that's happening. Obviously, uh, you say you've got stuff more in the works, so we're happy to hear that. I know they've got more events coming up. But uh, submission series pro aside, what is coming up next for you? Yeah, so did I lose you? I'm very sorry about that. I was just asking. Oh. Uh, so... Josh. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Okay. Uh, I was just asking, uh, submission series pro aside, what is coming up next for you uh, in the next few well, months? You know, last uh, last week I was supposed to go into Metamora Studios and fight um, a guy, wasn't Danny Daniel uh, Aguilar or Aguilar, Danny, the Snake, they call him mm-hmm. uh, from Penzo Gracie School. But uh, so I yeah, I drove up to LA. Uh, I stayed with a friend, and then Saturday, we were supposed to fight on Sunday, and then on Saturday night, they said, ah, oh, you know, a couple of the other grapplers pulled out, and the event kind of just got postponed, so that was yeah. supposed to happen last weekend, but um, it got postponed, so it's going to happen in the future, but there's no no date decided yet. That's okay. How does one feel when that happens? Because I know San Diego to LA isn't a giant amount of traveling, but it's two hours. I, I've done it's that. two hours, yeah. You know, I mean, it's a it's, little bit of time. It's no walk in the park. It's definitely a day ruiner. Um, you know, what's your first reaction when that happens? To be, to be honest, to be 100% honest, I was just getting over a cold. Um, and I had, I had so like, a, you know, like some chest congestion. And so I didn't mind at all. <laughs> because I, you know, I, I was thinking about it the whole week. I was like, man, I'm, I'm, like, I'm kind of sick. Like, I, my cardio might not be there. Um, I was kind of like worried, you know, and, and then uh, but I was like, you know, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be that grappler. I'm just going to go out there. I'm going to suck it up the Nogi fight, whatever. You know, I'll, I'll be able to pull it off, I'm sure. You know, I could probably, you know, I'm going to try to end the fight as quick as possible. Um, so when he did tell me that, I was just kind of like, I was kind of relieved. Because I went up there and I stayed with a friend. And it was fine because I hadn't seen that friend in a while anyway. So I, really, I enjoyed spending the weekend with them anyway. So it wasn't that big of a deal to me. And I was kind of glad that I, you know, I was allowed some time to get over that cold. And That's stuff. very nice of you in retrospect, but were you at all worried about getting your opponent sick? Because I don't know that that ever happens. I know there's always like a great credit to the athlete that's like, man, you were going to push through, and that's awesome, but also you might have gotten them sick. Is that you know, It's a strategy. It's just another strategy among strategies. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> You Atos kids, and you're any advantage you can yeah, get. Yeah, we we've heard about this with Andre Galvan and skateboard <laughs> jujitsu. No, we've I was getting this. over the cold though, so Wait that was past a the point of, I, I wasn't contagious anymore. Yeah, I don't believe you. But beginning part of the cold. Now this has got me thinking. You know, Galvan is a stickler for drilling, so maybe he's drilling them to get sick too. Maybe they're so proficient at even doing that. Ooh. 
Hmm, now you're just getting that. very meta. I am. So you have... <laughs> you have potentially a Metamorris uh, reschedule um, for the Metamorris Studios, which I'm sure is an interesting thing. And it, nobody could bother to call you and tell you this. Well, they did call me. They called me Saturday night <laughs> when the fight was supposed to be Sunday noon. Um, okay, okay. I just I, I want to. You know, I base. think they were trying to hold it together, and then I don't know what happened, but I, I'm. Sh- I'm sure that what happened was the grapplers pulled out last minute, and then they had sure. no choice but to call Absolutely. everyone up and say, all right, guys. No, too guys do they reimburse out. your mileage? No, they definitely did not. But I don't want, you know, I don't want to say anything bad about them. I'm not trying to like, burn bridges here. You don't need to do that. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, you know, give me a receipt. I'll, I'll fill out the paperwork for you just to get you reimbursed. Uh, so you have uh, potentially... Uh, another thing going on with Metamorris. What else is going on, man? Um, I was really planning on doing nationals, uh, but uh, it turned out uh, I'm going hiking with my mother that weekend. Uh, it was her birthday, and we planned this in February. And I just told her to pick any weekend she wants, and she did. And I said, okay, no problem, because last year nationals was in September, and they moved it. So now, my, just my luck, it, they land on the same weekend. So I'll be hiking Mount Whitney. Um, Hollis Mountain on continental U.S., mind you. <laughs> Just in case you weren't initiated to know. Yeah, it's, it's, no, it's no skip in the woods, man. It's like a mountain. It does sound I'm impressive. Hike, I'm going to hike this mountain with my mom. So I'll miss nationals. Um, let's see what's coming up after that. I think uh, the, next, the next big one is Nogi Worlds. Mm. That's awesome. That's Nogi That Worlds. sounds like a, a pretty good thing, and you will win Son of the Year by giving up uh, major competition to go with your mom, and that is very, very commendable of you. But Kev, I've got a game to play with Josh. Are you? Uh, are you? I'm, I'm definitely interested. I'm <laughs> certainly interested. Okay, Josh, this is a two-part question. I know you are without fear because I've seen the way you've rolled. Uh, are you without fear enough to tell me the answer to this following question? Okay. Okay. Go ahead. What is the most embarrassing TV show that you watch? Um, I can think of what it is, but the name escapes me. Um, okay, for a while there, when I was in Indiana, me and my roommate would watch New Girl. You would watch New Girl. <laughs> well, see, Kev, this has taken an interesting turn because I would like to ask you to follow up on that, Josh, because I would like you to cast people from Atos, yeah. our friends at Atos, as members of the New Girl cast. Who's Jess? Mm-hmm. Who's I mean, Jess? That's the first question. Who's Nick? You know. Are you asking me if I know their real name? No, oh, no, we'll no. Help you. no, 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 no. We'll talk character names. Who at Atos would at- fit those roles? Oh, who at Atos would be Jess? Oh, um. Can't just pick JT because he's the prettiest. You know, we need someone with some moody blues. Whoa, don't don't speak for no, him. No, JT is like a man's man. He he can't be. I guess. Uh, I'm trying to think of who would be Jess. So who's really dramatic? Would it be Christian? <laughs> wow. Maybe Christian would be Jess. Okay. Okay. So then I'm who would be your, your Schmidt? Uh, Schmidt. Um, I'm going to have to go with Keenan Cornelius on that one. Huh? <laughs> 
<laughs> Why is that? Um, I, you know, just something about it. I, I, I'm not at liberty to say. Oh. <laughs> Ref, you heard him. I did. I, uh, I... Nick. Who's Nick? Man, this is a pivotal character. The, uh, why do you guys know all the characters of this show? Well, there's First of all, four. we're not embarrassed. <laughs> there's five it. at tops. Like, you know, You've it's been watching. That, yeah. You guys have been watching the show, huh? Oh, for sure. <laughs> uh, am I really into the on-again, off-again relationship between CeCe and Schmidt? Obviously, but come on. You can't back away from admitting it and then saying that. Who would be Nick and who would be Coach? Now, you said JT's a dude's dude, a guy's guy, a man's yeah, man. Yeah, JT's going to be Coach for sure. Okay. For sure. Okay. Wow. Yeah, for I sure. did not see that coming. I did not no. see that coming. Mm. And then Nick. Hmm. I mean, here's a here's a tough question. I need to get an honest answer from you. Are you Nick? Because you haven't said who you are in all of this. I mean, if if I'm the one hooking up with Zoe Deschanel, then I guess yes, I am Nick. I guess it depends Which on would be Christian, so full circle. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to send Christian a note. I didn't think about that. I didn't think this one through. I didn't think this one through. There's, you know, there's no wrong answers. <laughs> everything everything you know, means something, Josh. Kevin, let's just move on and everybody agrees with yeah, what we're saying, rap for let's, you. Let's just do the most important thing. It was a test because jujitsu people need to be, you know, seven, fifteen steps ahead, and just we're just trying to make sure you're ready for the submission series pro this Saturday. That's what we're. That's our only goal, Josh. I think we're that's just trying obvious. to help you, Josh. Yeah. When you are fighting on behalf of Do or Die, your sponsor, which uh, you know keep you looking good in the gear, an important part of jujitsu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're You're great. fighting. They support, me in, they support me in more than one way. They're they're great. <laughs> That's awesome. He's so good. He has like he has to deal with sponsors. It's a good thing. Saturday, June twentieth, Halifax, Nova Scotia. If you're in the area, doors open at six p.m. The Bella Rose Arts Center. You can park your snow dogs out back. If Raph, don't be. Do not be aggressively inflammatory here. I'm just trying to help them get help the it. word just, out. I've never been there, and I just imagine to our Nova Scotia there. fan base. You know, <laughs> we're population three out there. Um, you can find Josh Hanger fighting. You can find him fighting wherever there's a fight to be had. Nogi Master. Fantastic performance at EBI, and we can't wait to hear how it goes up in Canada, sir. Thank you so much for stopping by the podcast. It's been my pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Raph Esparza, what a podcast. Uh, bullshit, close loss to Travis Conley, but whatever, you know. Uh, well, I mean, it was all. pretty definitive. Them all. You, them all. you have proven you cannot win them all. You cannot win them all. Um, some fantastic combos tonight, though. We got to talk to a real BJJ psychologist. Wouldn't that be great if you could visit him if it's like, I cannot defend against the triangle. 
We'll help you unblock your mental fortitude to get you the secrets of the arm bar. Maybe we should have pitched that to him, ref. We should have. You know, it'll be so great that he'd be like the one person to actually go, oh, it's not mental. You just suck. (laughs) He's like, no, this isn't psychology. Ah, so great to talk to him. Josh Hanger, fighter, fighter. That was a ton of fun. Yeah, I'm glad we were finally able to talk with newcomer Josh. <laughs> Up and comer. And mm-hmm. I just bought some gray spats and some Dom Valley Tudos. So mm. everything's going well. Everything. That's fantastic. I know, I'm pretty excited. The purple rash card's going to have to go back. It's too tight. For an extra large, it's like, ugh. It's like a sports bra. But I'm sending that back, ref. Sending that back, and it means I think we're to shout outs. That's true. I don't have many. <laughs> I was at <laughs> Romaine and Lettuce tonight. Big mm-hmm. shout out to Jamel Johnson, the Romaine and Lettuce crew. Ton of fun to do some stand up out there. Um, got to talk to some people that are comedians that found out I did a podcast about MMA, D. Ahmed, who was like, who sent me this message after. This is so funny. After um, Verdum submits Kane Velasquez, he had sent me messages the day before talking about how Kane was absolutely going to win. And mm-hmm. it was just like, I know nothing about fights, period. <laughs> That's what he sent me. After. <laughs> it's like, oh, ditto. Been there, man. Know how you feel. That's awesome. Um, that's all I got other than, you know, hanging out there at uh, BJJ MMA Academy on Chantilla VA. That's good stuff. Uh, I got a few. Let's do straight down the line here. Let's shout out my good friend Eric Opel who came to train with us uh, last week. That was a lot of fun. Let's also shout out Todd Schaefer, dude. It was a pleasure to roll with him because uh, Todd Schaefer, as many of you know, is maybe the most prolific meme maker out there. Uh, he's just, I mean, he's awesome. Uh, part of white belt jujitsu, also jujitsu times, just one of the nicest human beings and, uh, was really helpful with me with, uh, all the technique we were working last week. So want to send a big shout out to him. Let's also send a shout out to our good friends at Jit Scripts, Kev. Have you seen the videos? Are you watching the thing? I'm watching the videos. I'm watching the thing. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, so far so good. I've been very pleased with, uh, the progress of it a lot of people are getting behind it and sending me really nice notes so uh, i just want to say thank you to everybody who's watching we've still got what we're on day four now we still got like 26 more days so if you guys have ideas of what i should be doing with those jits grips uh please send them to me because i'm probably going to run out of it <laughs> what the hell did he's open to ideas 10. yeah um and mostly i'm just interested because i see all these people doing these fancy things with it and i can't do those so you know What's funnier than watching me fail? Uh, let's also shout out uh, Valley Martial Arts Center. I really want to say uh, a nice set of words to all the people who have been coming out at 5 a.m. to train. Ugh. I cannot believe we've been doing this, but it's now going Tuesdays and Thursdays, and Kev, I am a much better human being when I go. No shit. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pleasant. Uh, I get to work and I smile. I don't say, how dare you address me? Um, you know, stuff like that. It's great. So uh, my thanks to everybody and to our fearless leader, Kyle, who is putting that together. It's a blast to be training with you guys. And I hope we continue doing it. It's a lot of fun. 
Uh, I also want to shout out Breakdown Academy. Breakdown. <laughs> uh, as always, John Evans, great instruction over there. Good people, good times, and new mats. So, guys, hey. these mats, they look pretty good. Not going to lie. I'm really excited to get to use them. So, uh, our thanks to them. I can't wait to see what is going on over there. And our final shout out goes to our good friend, Cody Bollinger, who Kev, I found out today, hey, was competing at the baddest blue. No shit. Yep. Yep. Found out about it. Asked. He made it all the way to the semifinal after having, I believe, a 63 minute match. That does not surprise me. He's very good. Does not. Nope. Nope. And he uh, shot me some really funny notes. But uh, in other news, Cody actually. Uh, did a cool betting line preview against me where he did win. Oh, yes. oh for two, are you, Raph? Well, Kev, it's no over there at second piece. It's no. What are you batting now? You're batting under twenty percent at this point. You're batting, so you're batting under, under nothing. Run. You're batting zero percent. You haven't That's won not, I mean, anything. Here's the thing: I tied the first one, which was no, you did not. You stupid. lost. You lost I tied the first one, and I did lose on tiebreakers. Tie However, Kev, I still picked more than you did, right? Oh, for two. This is what it so, sounds like. Did I miss? I'd like to point out did I not that hear I am <laughs> correct in saying I am consistently better at picking fights than you, which is not something I boasted when we started this If podcast. only you were consistently better than the people you were competing against. <laughs> I just choose higher caliber folks well that's dumb i don't recommend it (laughs) so my thanks to cody uh my bet that i have to do for him kevin is i have to draw a picture of him uh a portrait of him holding a title saying i am a champion (laughs) well that shouldn't be hard you're very creative uh well i'm not a great drawer so well (laughs) in this bitch uh, is that all? Is that all of your shout out? Yeah. <laughs> That's going to do for us tonight, your verbal <laughs> tap. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Good night and good fight. You know, the funny part is um, one of Cody's family members asked me, they're like, how are you guys doing? Or how are the fight's going? And I go, I don't want to talk about it. I think for a second I go, wait, are you talking about the fights? Like, how are the fights? Or the fight between me and Cody? Fight between you and Cody, and I go, I would like to continue to not talk about it.